Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. If you love Jesus, say, I do. Raise your hand if you went to the retreat. Let me see. Nice. A good amount of y'all came back. You still love Jesus. How many of y'all are tired after the retreat? Uh, amen. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, I came back, and I think the next day I tried to sleep in a little bit, and my kids let me sleep in a little bit till about 6.45 in the morning. And then nothing like getting Hulk smashed in the face by a three-year-old. But, uh, man, listen, retreat was amazing. We got to see a lot of, uh, I really believe that we got to see a revival. I really do believe that the spark that happened at retreat, I really do think it's going to ignite this campus. I really do. And we got to see a lot of people come to Jesus. We got a lot of people get to reconnect back with Jesus. Um, And I really, we got to see friendships made. and off in a distance, I might have saw a couple of y'all start maybe a little relationship, you know? Some of y'all are like, oh, no, please don't call me out. But I saw y'all kindle a little relationship. It could be a marriage. Come on now, praise Jesus. Um, we had some great times, great memories. Uh, a little bit of a nightmare called Capture the Flag. <sighs> listen, listen, I thought it was going to be a fun game. I've captured a flag. It was ferocious. Uh, not, not just the fact, A, you couldn't see the flags. It was in the dark. Um, so people just kind of quit going for the flags, and they just started form tackling people. Uh, and I'm not talking guy on guy. I'm talking girls were form tackling guys. It was beautiful. Uh, didn't, they didn't only just stop at tackling them. Then they started and proceeded to kick them while they were down. And I was like, this is the end times. Like, literally, sister against brother, brother against sister. Like, oh, my goodness. This is, this is what it's going to look like. Uh, but listen, we had a good time. We didn't have to take anybody to the hospital. Thank you. That was a big prayer. Um, it was absolutely amazing. So um, tonight, uh, as I said a couple weeks ago, I had a working title. You know, I was like, is this going to be called, like, like landing the ship or docking the ship. And like, I just couldn't, like, it just couldn't catch with it. And then Jesus gave it to me. Praise be to Jesus. Come on now. You ready for it? Anchoring the ship. Man, that makes sense. Thank you, Jesus. God, isn't he good? When do you know that this is the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with? When are we supposed to marry? Now listen, a couple years back, remember Little Red, my boat, right? I called it Little Red, why? Because it was little and it was red. You're welcome, I'm creative. Uh, about a couple months after I bought it, um, I decided to call out my, one of my good buddies, Stephen Thorne, our worship leader, come on, uh, hallelujah. <laughs> Said, hey, let's just go have a fun time out on the lake, right? Catch some waves. So I got him on the tube and... Showed him who, who was boss, right? And I threw him off a couple times. And then the one time I threw him off so hard, I was like, he ain't going to play for crossover no more. Like, I need to be nice to this guy. So we stopped and, you know, we just enjoyed the raise. Like, just had some fun fellowship, right? And what, what makes fun and fellowship even better is food. Well, we got a little hungry, right? And I was like, well, let's go back to the marina. Get some food. Jump, jump in the captain's chair. And literally, just like every other story I told you about a boat, go to start the boat, 
does not start, right? It makes a click, but it's not like a dead battery click. It's like my engine is locked up click, which it was. You know, that's just the Russell luck. All y'all are like, I'm never getting on the boat with this guy ever, right? Well, don't, okay? So anyways, we, um, I was like, you know, I'm going to be mechanic Steve, and I'm going to get back there. I'm going to try to work on it, and I'm trying to figure it out. And Steven's like, hey, bro, like, we're getting a little close to these rocks over here. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I go up front, and I grab my anchor, and I Indiana Jones, that sucker out there. And I go back to work, and Steven's like, hey, um, I, we're still getting close to those rocks over there. I was like, oh, it was just the slack in the line, bro. Don't worry about it. And like a minute later, he's like, like no, we're getting kind of close to these rocks over here. And I look, I was like, oh, dang, uh, yeah, you're right. And I walk over there to the anchor, and I felt the anchor, and it hasn't grabbed or nothing. It ain't doing nothing on there. I was like, uh-oh. And it's like we got the same idea in our mind, uh, which, which felt good at the time, is I pulled the anchor up, I unclipped it, and me and him look at each other, we take our shirts off. I think he just wanted to take his shirt off because he wanted me to see his full-on sleeve of tattoos, which you got to be a real worship leader. You have to have real, like a full sleeve of tattoos. Um, but we, uh, we jumped in and we Michael Phelps that thing uh, back to the beach. And I, let me tell you, I've never felt more out of shape in my life than trying to swim Little Red back to this safe shore. It was absolutely miserable. I called my dad the next day, and after like any good father does, he made fun of me and mocked me a couple times about how, how dumb it was that this happened. And he, uh, he FaceTimed me, and he said, um, what, what, what anchor did you use? And I, I pulled out the anchor, and I showed him, and he's like, oh, man. He's like, there's no way that that anchor would have ever held that boat. It was like this little mushroom. It was like for like a little hundred pound, like, like John boat. He's like, there's no way that that anchor would have ever held that boat. And he pulled out his anchor. This is the anchor you were supposed to have. Right. And I was like, man, he goes, that anchor would have never held that size of boat. Students, many of us are trying to anchor our relationship with an anchor that was never big enough nor strong enough to keep our relationship out of the rocks. Not many of us in this world have had an anchor that is big enough to hold our ship. Now listen, I think many of us, if we look at the forecast of this world, I think many of us know that there are many people that have the wrong anchor. Now let's just be a little vulnerable because we're vulnerable in, in, in crossover. How many, how many of us in here, by a show of hands, if you will, are a, have some form of, of divorce in your family? There you go. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Very, I'm going to tell you all right now. First off, don't be ashamed of that. Second off, just because it happened to them doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. Amen. What I can say is this. In order for that to not happen, you have to make sure that you have the right anchor. Some people in this world, they marry people for their looks. Now, listen, not everybody can be lucky like my wife and get a good looking guy that is also godly, right? <laughs> Thanks for laughing at that. Many people will marry for money. 
Now my wife did not get that, but she got a good looking guy, amen, hallelujah. Many people will marry because it's comfortable. Many people will marry because that is what you're supposed to do next. Many people will marry because you don't want to dump the other person. That is unbelievable to me, but I've seen it happen time and time again. Here's the crazy one. You ready for this? Many people marry because they love them. All y'all are like, this dude's, okay, this dude's whacked out now. That retreat was a little too crazy for him. Now listen, I think no doubt that you need to love the person. There's no doubt. I believe no doubt that it is a prerequisite, but I don't think it's the only reason. Why? Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, there are people in here who I've even talked to, there are people in here who have loved Jesus, trusted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of life, who have walked with Jesus, who talk with Jesus, who pray with Jesus, who live for Jesus, and they either got a boyfriend or they got a girlfriend a couple years ago, and you know what? They loved them. They did life with them. They had a relationship with them, and guess what happened? Is that somewhere in that relationship, even though that they loved them, they knew that that was not the person for them, and they knew that God was saying, hey, they're better off without you. It is time to let go of them, because even in their love, they still had to break up with somebody. So obviously, sometimes, obviously, there is something more than just love. Now tell me about that boyfriend or or that, about that boy or girl in high school that you used to dream about at night, right? You dream about them at night, and then you were excited to see them the next morning. Like, you love them, right? But obviously, marriage is more than just love. Don't get me wrong. Love is a prerequisite. I even think that sexual attraction is a prerequisite. Now I got all y'all's attention. You're welcome. Now, students, I say this every year. makes my wife a little uncomfortable, but let's just say, for instance, that you have sex with your spouse one hour every day of your relationship, all right? Now, first off, fellas, you're not going to be able to have sex with your wife every day of your relationship, and good luck for it to be an hour, all right? <laughs> all right? But it, let's say it happens. Let's get real for a moment. Let's get real again for a moment. You still have 23 hours left in that day with that person. You still have 23 hours a day. You still have 161 hours a week. You have 9,666 minutes every single week that you have to be around that person. Obviously, there is more than just sexual attraction for a marriage to be able to work. There has to be more. Now, I want to kind of get preaching just a little bit, if that's all right. I don't have a whole lot of energy for any, any big fluff moments, but what I do have is how do we know when to anchor the ship? Now listen, when I first started this sermon, my whole idea was this was going to be a one-part sermon, but guess what? We get another week of relationships next week because I think that there's a lot of meat here that I don't want to miss out on tonight. And tonight, guess what we're going to go and talk about tonight? We're going to talk to you ladies. You ready? Okay, come on now. 1 Peter 3 is where we're going to end up today. 1 Peter 3, verse 1. 
We're going to go to verse 6, and it says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the putting on the gold of jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be in the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. All of y'all just heard they call Abraham Lord. Babe, I think that Sarah's setting a good precedent here. Caroline's like, no, never. Now listen, I am no relationship guru. Um, I'm not the best person to talk to about relationships, but I do believe that I seek the Lord's wisdom with every time I preach about relationships. And I'm also a person that takes note with the thousands of conversations I have every single year when people call me either about their marriage help or they have a dating relationship help. And I keep record of what goes on. And this is what I have learned through my own personal experience with marriage and through a lot of conversations that there is a role that a wife plays in a marriage and there is a role that a husband plays in a marriage. And if one of them is lacking in their roles, then the marriage will lack. Does that make sense? And what I've seen is that there are so many malnourished marriages because someone is not keeping up their responsibility in the marriage. So how do you know when to anchor a ship? This is talking about husbands and wives. I think what we can learn from this is what do we need to look forward to in a marriage when we are dating a girlfriend or a boyfriend? How can we take from this text what we need in order to have a successful marriage. And today, I just want to really just follow Peter's flow here and what he is talking about. He says, wives, we are to be a subject to your husband. Multiple areas of scripture, women have a certain role to be submissive to their husband. But if their marriage, and this is what Peter is saying here, is that some of these women were converted to Jesus once they were already married. But if their marriage is being led by someone who is not a believer or someone who is even straying away from Scripture, your actions, ladies, are imperative for the health of your marriage. Girls, let me just have a side note here so this verse 1 doesn't, doesn't, doesn't really hit you at home. Do not marry a non-Christian. Can I give you the best advice? Do not marry a non-Christian. If you want to have a harder life, do not marry a non-Christian. Because listen, anybody who is not led by Jesus is led by this world. And I'm telling you, that is a very dangerous predicament for you to be led by Jesus and for them to be led by the world because there will always be friction. Darkness and light can never coexist. That does not mean that I don't love them. That does not mean that I don't care about them. That does not mean that I don't want the best for them. 
That just means that I want the best for you. And the, for the best for you is to love Jesus and to marry someone who loves Jesus because then the anchor that you can have is Jesus and you can be literally, you can be literally grounded in this chaos of the world and I believe it's only going to be more chaotic. And they're not going to be controlled by the winds and the rains of this world. They're going to be controlled by Jesus. Amen. Can I get amen on that? So fellas, what is Peter saying here? about wives. What is kind of the overarching theme when he's talking about wives in this scenario? When do I know that I can drop down to my knee and please don't mess it up like I did. I said, babe, let's do this, right? Like, like say, will you marry me? Because I love you. You're the diamond of my eye, right? So I don't know what to say. I'm horrible romantic, right? How do you know when to do this? What Peter is saying here is conduct is key. Conduct is key when they see you and your pure conduct. I think that there are two action points that Peter spells out here that emphasizes wife material. Husbands who do not know Jesus, who, who can be won over by what? By a respectful and pure conduct of their wives. Obviously, this has happened after someone has converted. Now, how important is their conduct? Their conduct is so powerful. Their conduct is so respectful. Their conduct is saturated in the love of God that it even has the power to bring a lost person to the feet of Jesus. All right, How important is that? That is, that is great. That is powerful. It can bring a non-believer to the feet of Jesus. This is my hope for you, though, is that you're going to marry a not, that you're going to marry a Christian someday. And listen, I'm about to ask guys a question. Hey, in the last six months, guys, by the raise of your hand, have there been a time where you got a little off off the track that that God wanted you on? Maybe you kind of shied away from God over the last six months. Has there been a time, Colin? Raise your hands. All right. You got a little distant from God. Maybe you ended up not going to church so often. Maybe you didn't read your Bible enough. Maybe you didn't pray like you thought you should have. Maybe, just maybe, what if we took this to our room right now and said, you know what? If my conduct can bring someone to the feet of Jesus who doesn't know Jesus, maybe my conduct can help my, my husband get back in track with Jesus. Nothing is more, I'm telling you, there's no greater disciple I have in this world than the wife that I have sitting right next to me. Because when I'm going out of line, there's sometimes she's like, hey, babe, come on, let's, let's think about Jesus here. Or, hey, babe, like, come on, Jesus has got you. Or, hey, straighten up, boy. Like, you know, like sometimes you got she got to be a little more direct at me, right? But listen, there's something that happens when, when somebody comes in here, and you can't tell me that, that there's not power that you have, girls. Listen, these guys, they can be going three months without Jesus, and maybe they come to crossover, and they look over one crossover, and they see this beautiful girl, and she's just straight up worshiping Jesus, praising, right? She might be holding the baby. She might be holding her stomach. She might be doing, doing the signals, right? She might be doing the jumping jacks for Jesus, but they catch your eye, right? And you're like, oh, man, I'm crazy about the girl. Well, and then you know what they do? They even get the nerve to go and talk to that girl, and then they go and talk to her. They go, hey, tell me about yourself. And that girl's like, man, I just really feel Jesus right now. And the guy looks down. He's got, she's got this holy word with all the tabs. She's got her notebook that has 
has all these scriptures in it, sees the top of her hands, got all, all the memory verses, and this dude's like, man, I'm inadequate, right? And listen, let me tell you what that does, is that either inspires someone to be more like Jesus or it chases the wolves off. Come on now. But see, her conduct makes that guy want to be better for God. And listen, when you marry somebody who has the right conduct, it makes you want to be better for God. Because when you look at your spouse, you want to be better because she is better. You want to, you want to find peace in your spouse. You want to find beauty in your spouse. You want to find pure joy in your spouse. You want to have the confidence that your spouse has the confidence in the Lord because she helps you bring you back to Jesus. It is important to find someone with the right conduct so she can bring you back to Jesus. And listen, when you have this respect and this love for this right person and you find the right person, and she sees you trying to pursue Jesus, and you see her trying to pursue Jesus, then she will want to help you. Submit to me, I believe, means help. She can help you become the man that you need to be. Girls, you hold a lot of power in this world. I've seen men lie, cheat, steal, and kill for love. I believe this, though, is that when Paul says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, what that is showing me is that we are all on equal playing field. Man is just as important as woman, and woman is just as important as man. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter about anything. We are all going to bow down at Jesus. And the reason why that I feel that many marriages have failed is because many Christian women have lowered their call and conduct. And when you lower your call on conduct, you're lowering the bar on what man is pursuing you. Little in this world breaks my heart more than this is when a beautiful child of God comes and, and gets to know Caroline and I, and I get to see her passion. I get to see her love for Jesus. I get to see all these great things. I get to know her heart. And nothing in this world probably crushes me and my wife more than we go and we meet the new boyfriend who is a guy who is not sold out for Jesus. And I'm like, how in the world does that guy get such a sweet girl like that? You want to know how? Because her conduct isn't setting a bar that he doesn't feel like he can't meet. She is reachable to either a lukewarm Christian or she's reachable to a non-Christian that might have some right morals. Because her conduct isn't making him feel like she is untouchable. So ladies here, listen. If you want to learn how to evaluate our conduct, I believe that there's two ways that he is presenting us to see if we are at least on the right track. I think first and foremost, we see what is our conduct for Jesus? What is our conduct for Jesus? We are put on this world. If we are to marry our husband, we are to help our husband be the best man for Jesus that he has to be. We have to either help him become more or we have to maybe help him reshift his focus back to Jesus. How can we make sure that we're doing that? And, 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 and guys in here, I think that this is a good way to evaluate maybe your girlfriend that you are pursuing and maybe you want to see if this is the right person to marry. What is her conduct for Jesus? And this is what I wanted to say here. 
is how well is she helping those around her right now become close to Jesus? If you want her to help you become close to Jesus, how well is she helping those around her right now be close to Jesus? Because guys, pay attention. If they aren't helping others get people to Jesus, how are they going to help you get back to Jesus? Seriously, if you're crazy about Jesus, you want to bring people to the feet of Jesus. If you're crazy about Jesus, you're walking with Jesus, you're talking with Jesus, you're learning about Jesus, you're memorizing Jesus, and everything in your life is about Jesus, you want to bring people to Jesus because we're excited about Jesus. Are we still excited about Jesus? Come on now. So my question, and I'm not going to make you raise your hands. I want you to kind of evaluate where you're at. If I were to ask this question, just in the last two months, the last eight weeks, has there been a time where you knew one of your friends was lost and they needed Jesus and you shared your testimony with them and you said, you know what, this is what Jesus has done for me. Do you think that that is something that you would want him to do for you? Have we been sharing our faith with those around us? Everybody's like, Brent, Brent, you're being a meanie right now, right? It ain't me, yo, right? You feel that way because the Spirit's crawling all over you right now saying, go and love the way that Jesus did. See, don't expect your married life to look like Jesus if your single life isn't looking like Jesus, I'm not trying to call you out. I'm trying to call you up. Amen. Set that by, set that bar higher. Love deeper. The greatest way to show your love for Jesus is to tell other people about Jesus. You want a wife? You want to wife this girl up? If she's talking about Jesus to other people, then do it. Amen. Because if she's telling others about Jesus, she's going to be able to help you get back on track with Jesus or help you call your standard up higher for Jesus. Students, how are we working for Jesus? Second way to evaluate your conduct is evaluate your conduct from Jesus. It says don't let your adorning, I say that this is beauty. Don't let your beauty be external. The braiding of your hair, the putting on of gold or the clothing you wear. Let your adorning, let your beauty be the hidden places in the imperishable beauty of the gentle, quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. I think for some of us in here, this verse will free you from something. I think that this is a, this is a little uh, direction that God wanted me to take here. As I've talked to some ladies this past weekend at the retreat about, about some identity or about some, uh, how we compare ourselves in our looks to so many other people and how Instagram and social media have just made this compare and contrast game. And like, we just like to tear down how we look so many different ways. And we need to have this waist size or we need to have these pectoral muscles, guys, or girls, we got to have the booty that looks like this. I don't know why I said that, but. Got to spice it up a little bit in here. But what if, what if, listen, hear me, what if you ate right, you slept right, you lived right, you worked out a little bit, you took care of yourself to be the healthiest person that you can be, and you accepted the body that God created for you? God says, you know, 
In Psalms, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. So when, you're con- when you conduct yourself from the love of God, you know that you are uh, from his love and his provision. You trust him that he made you exactly how he wanted to make you. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like God made you exactly how he wanted to make you? And listen, then you trust it. Do we trust that God made you how he wanted to make you? And when you look in your, in your mirror, you're not bitter about it because you know how blessed you are. You don't walk with your head hanging low, but you walk proudly because the King of kings, the Lord of lords, loves you the way that you are. He loves you so much that he made you. He loves you so much, you ready for this? That he gave you the greatest gift, his son, the greatest thing that he could ever give you to come and die for you, for how you look, for how you were made, because he loves you for you. He came and died for you so you can have eternity in him. Ladies, know your worth. Your worth was worth God sending the best thing in this world to him for you. You are not defined by what the world tells you. They paid nothing to define you. They won't give you anything. They won't love you. Why don't we stop listening to them and let's start listening to God who gave everything for you, amen? How freeing is it to let go of this and start grabbing on to what God looks at. He looks at you for how beautiful you are. Let's stop defining everything else and let's let the word of God define who we are. We are the child of the king. There's another side to this I feel like we need to touch on. How we dress exposes who we want to impress. Come on now. How we dress exposes what we want to impress. Now there is a way to dress to look cute, and there's a way to dress to look cute. Amen? Everybody's got real quiet. I know I always make people a little uncomfortable when I talk about clothes, but I think I can sum it up this way. I think a way that a woman dresses can either distract people or not distract people from Jesus. Can we be on line with that? Can we be okay with that? Now, I'm not saying that you need to go and buy like a full corduroy dress and like hide everything, okay? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that you love Jesus. You don't only not act like the world, you also don't dress exactly like the world. Now, let me tell you a little something from the guy's side. You don't have to try as hard as you think you do. Guys, come on, say amen to that. Come on. It doesn't take much to get our attention. Amen, fellas? All we need is just a little smile, maybe a side hug. All right? It doesn't take much. But let me tell you something else. There are guys in here who love Jesus and who are passionate about Jesus and who care for others to be passionate about Jesus. And let me tell you, they do get turned off if a girl is dressing the wrong way. 
I'm telling you. So you want a good godly guy, it's probably time to dress appropriate. They don't want people to be looking at you to get attention about you. They'd rather you dress in such a way where you can be proud of yourself, but also that you can bring people to the feet of Jesus. You want to date somebody, they don't want to date someone that needs people's attention. They want people to see your girlfriend and know that there's something different about their girlfriend and that difference is Jesus. You want to share, I want to share a secret with you that I have found the sexiest thing about a woman. You ready? I got the secret antidote. I, it's sexier than any physical physique, hairstyle, clothes, anything like that. It's in verse four. The sexiest thing about a woman is a gentle, quiet spirit, which in God's eyes is what? Very precious. Now, when I say that, some of you are like, you trying to shut me up, bro? Right? No. A gentle, quiet spirit to me isn't someone that is weak. It's someone that's reserved. It's a solid person who knows what God wants in her life. She isn't timid. She is sold out. She isn't overbearing. She isn't demanding. She is gentle. She is she chooses the words that she wants to say because she knows that there's a lot of chaos in this world, but she knows how to build people up. She doesn't want to crumble people. She doesn't crumble in fear. She perseveres with faith because someone with a gentle spirit knows that she is not in control, but the God who made her is in control. That is someone gentle in spirit. Her beauty isn't found and prided in her looks. It's grounded in her ability to face obstacles, to love the unlovable, to give to the needy, to serve the church, to love her children. It's found in a discipline of taking off her old self and putting on the new self that is not selfish anymore. It's selfless, giving all she has to the love of Jesus. That is someone that is being gentle and quiet in her spirit. That is something that is beautiful in the eyes of God. She prays that God makes her weaknesses his strength. She doesn't distract people from encountering Jesus. She pursues it. Let me tell you something about my wife. My wife, she's awesome, right? My wife knows me very well and knows that there are some things in this life that can just stress me out. You know, there's time I'm sure she wants to kick me in the gear and say, come on, let's go, boy, like, get up, you know, come on. And, you know, my wife knows that if she comes and she demands anything from me, it's going to shut me down. But you know what the fun, like the most, like, impressioning times and the most loving times that I've had is when my wife knows that I am down and she comes and she just grabs my hand and she looks in my eyes and she says, I just love you. You're doing such a good job. God's doing something in you and I'm, I'm proud to be your wife. She's gentle. I know that there's a lot of things that I've done wrong and she doesn't have to say all those things. Sometimes she just gives me exactly what I need it when I need it. 
Guys, you want to know when it's time to drop to a knee? I think what the text says here is that when she can conduct herself with bringing other people to the feet of Jesus. I think that when we see their conduct, I think we can see, well, is she someone that's pursuing Jesus or is she someone that's not pursuing Jesus? Fellas, listen, there's a lot of great girls in here who love Jesus. Ask them out on a coffee date. Come on now, ladies. Come on, right? Don't be shy. All right. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. How does she think about herself? Does she think too much of herself? Does she not think enough about herself? But how does she think about Jesus? How does she think about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Does her conduct illustrate her love for Jesus? Don't settle for it. Don't settle for someone who is, who is not gentle. Don't settle for someone who has to look a certain way. Don't settle for someone who is not pursuing Jesus with everything that she has. And ladies, I hope that this calls us up, right? I'm not trying to call you out. I'm trying to call us up. There's a certain expectation that God has for marriage because God loves marriage and God hates divorce. That's the truth of the matter. And he wants the greatest thing for you. He's not trying to take anything away from you. He's trying to give you something. Let's see if we can meet these standards that Peter is giving us here. And let us be able to run true to God. So let's evaluate those things and let's give God all the glory. Lord, we thank you for you. We thank you that you have given us a word and you've given us somewhat of a guideline that how we are supposed to be. There are certain topics that are harder for us to, to teach on and there are certain pro- things that are harder for us to listen to. But at the end of the day, at the end of the hour, the biggest thing for marriage, the biggest thing that we are to do in this marriage is to glorify you. Our marriage is supposed to be representation of how we are to glorify you in everything that we do, and our marriage is big on that. And so, Lord, let these students not settle for anything less than someone that is pursuing drastically after God. Let people be able to see that this is the second biggest relationship of their life. The biggest relationship of their life is that they need to, to, to have a Savior, and that Savior needs to be Jesus. For those of us in here who don't have that relationship, I hope that they can come down here to our prayer team and say, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I think some of us in here right now, we have some conduct issues that we know that are not presenting us in the brightest light towards Jesus. And I think that we need to come down and we need to lay down some of those issues to our prayer team and say, you know what? I want to pray about quitting this and I want to, I want to pick up the bar in my spiritual life and I want to be able to be someone that I can be proud of. Lord, there's some people in here right now, there's boyfriends in here who are dating somebody that they know that they shouldn't. They might be a good person, but they're not good for them. Lord, give them the strength to be able to do what they need to do so they can be the men of God that they need to be. Lord, there's some girls in here who are dating a guy that they know that they shouldn't. Give them the strength to be able to break up with that person so that they can be the woman of God that they need to be. Lord, just give us vision, give us direction, give us drive in our relationships. And all that we say and we do, we want to honor you. For it's in your name. Amen. If you would worship with us.